Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. I'm just real excited about having a membership class today afterwards, you know, having our first membership class. I'm excited. Amen. Amen. I'm excited kind of just sharing with you guys. And, and if this is your first time here, you're welcome. If this is if you've been here since we started in my house, you're welcome. It's open for everybody. You can come and just grab the free food and kind of just hear about our purpose, our vision, our, our origin, where we came from, where we plan to go. And if after all that you still like us, you want to sign, you fill out a form, and, and boom, you're an instant member. Just add water. Amen? We, we, we don't want to make it a, a six-week course or nothing like that. No, you come, you understand who we are, we get to know a little bit about you, and, and, and we could go on with, with, with membership. Amen? So that's going to be right after, right after the service. Um, we got some good food, so we'll eat together, and then, and then we'll get into our class. Amen? All right. Uh, Pastor Gary's going to come. God's put a word on his heart. I didn't want you to have to listen to me talk now and then listen to me talk afterwards and it'd just be too much of me, right? Amen? Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to, before he comes up, let you know that Pastor Gary has a second book out. Amen? Just got, just got, uh, it's still warm off the presses. This is Dream Interpretation. It's a beginner's manual and it's also a dictionary. Have you guys ever had a dream and, and in the dream, there's like a giant toaster chasing you. And, and he's like, man, what does a toaster mean? Why is there a toaster chasing me in my dream? Well, this is kind of a, I don't know if there's a toaster in here, but he's not listening to me. But there's a dictionary. It'll give you a lot of terms and kind of explain all, all with biblical references, you know, what they meant in the word, what it means to us, and, and kind of culturally and spiritually. And so it's a, it's a great handbook. We're going to have them in the back. Uh, for sale after after the service. Um, please don't let Gary, you know, he has a bad back. Don't let him go home carrying all these books back home. Make sure you take one. Amen? Amen. All right. Love you guys. I'll, I'll talk with you in a few. Please. Did you say PMS before in church? No, no, no. Oh, I didn't know. I remember you told me PMS means pretty mean sister, right? Is that what it means? That's what he told me. But I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 32. And I'm going to ask my wife Norma to come up, and she's going to um, read the verses and pray. So that's Romans chapter 8, verse 32. 32 to 38. Romans chapter 8, verses 32 to 38. Since he did not spare even his own son... But gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? 
Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today, Lord, that these words will come alive in our hearts, Lord. That we may never forget that your love is everlasting. It does not leave us nor nor forsake us, Lord. That love will always be with us, no matter what we go through. You are with us. You go through it, Father, with us. Whatever we go through, you are there, right there in the fire with us. You have not left us. You will never leave us, Lord. So, Father, I pray that we will never forget that love is everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to read verse 37 again. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And the ver- verse 37 in the King James Version says, We are more than conquerors. Luke 10:19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, or nothing will by any means harm you. In other words, the Bible is saying that if you're a child of God, you're also a mighty warrior. The Bible says that you're called to walk in victory. That nothing can be any by any means harm you, and that you have authority even over the powers of hell. Death cannot hold you back. Nothing can keep you from the victory that God has for you. But yet my experience in church is that many of us walk around defeated. Whether it's in our finance, finances or in relationships or in the family. Or just our attitude. Whether it's our emotions. We've allowed these things to have victory over us. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because we're called to conquer the world. If the world is overcoming you, if, the, if your problems, if the issues of the world, if it could be your marriage, it could be your children, if anything is overtaking you or overcoming you, then you're not living in line with what the Bible says about you. The Bible says about you that you're a mighty warrior. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you can prosper. 1 John 5, 4, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. It tells us in the Psalms that God trains our fingers to make war. And sometimes things happen in your life. Sometimes God will allow a big mountain to come right in front of you. Sometimes there's trials and tribulations that come. Because God is using them to teach you. He's using these circumstances in your life to teach you how to fight, how to overcome. If nothing ever stood in your way, you'd never be able to be trained so that you can be walk in victory. 
That's why the Bible says, don't be surprised at the trouble that you're having. Any of you having troubles? Put it this way, any of you not having trouble? And you know what it says in the Bible? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you can't find a job. Don't be surprised if there's trouble in your home. Don't be surprised if your car breaks down. Don't be surprised because God is using these circumstances to build up your faith. He wants to transform you. We don't just become Christians and then God leaves us the way that we are. That would be pretty pathetic, at least in my case. But what God does, he uses everything that the enemy would throw at you, every trial, every problem, every lack in your life, everything that keeps you up at night. God uses those things to begin to transform you, to begin to change your mind, the way that you think. There is a battle out there. I'm not going to... Don't let anyone ever lie to you and tell you, well, you're a Christian now and nothing is ever going to happen. You're always, always good things happen when you're a child of God. I don't think you're ever going to reach a point in your Christianity where you walk in a place of paradise. It's not like now I'm mature and now God's tested me and now only good things are going to happen. There's no such thing because this is a fallen evil world you live in. Troubles and trials are going to happen, but the, the battle is going, to, is going to rage. But let me tell you something, you're the winner. The, the decision is already made. The winner is already announced, and it's you. Now, who is the battle against? That, that's what I want to um, speak about today. I'm talking about a battle but who are we fighting? Number one, we're fighting the kingdom of darkness. As I, I was teaching the chapel on Friday in the school, and I was talking about the spiritual realm. See, we live in the natural realm. We can see with our eyes things that are in the material world. We could see this podium. You could see the chair you're sitting in. But there's much more than that. There's not only a natural, material world, the things that you could touch and, and taste and see, but there's also what's called the spiritual dimension. There's a spiritual world. There's a spiritual realm out there. And it's right here. We can't see it, but there are angels being released all through here. How do I know? Because Psalm 91 tells us that angels surround the people of God. So you know what that means? That everywhere you go, there's angels surrounding you. So right here, you don't see them, but they're angelic beings. Angels are spirits sent from God to do His work, to protect you, to help you, to guide, to help, to guide you. But they are also what's called demonic beings or evil spirits. And the Bible says that they're led by the devil. And they also live in the spiritual realm, and they're also here right now. There's battles going on in the spirit. We don't see it. But right now there's warfare going on in the spiritual realm. And the end, not only the angels here are here, but I'm telling you right now the devil's here also. 
Somebody once argued with me and said, the devil doesn't come to church. There are no demons in church. This is a holy place. That's where the devil comes. The devil, see, the, what the devil wants to do, because he hates God, you are made in his image, you serve God, and he wants to do anything that he can to trip you up, to separate you from God. So even as you're worshiping, the devil will put thoughts into your head and start to remind you about all your problems, about all your worries. And before you know it, you don't even want to be here anymore. So we don't overemphasize the devil in the church. We don't always go around talking about the devil. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.10, I want, you, I want everyone to turn to this. If you have your Bible, I want you to see this. Second Corinthians 2.10, it says, If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. The devil looks for an opportunity. So the Bible, we don't talk too much about the devil. We don't always emphasize him. But don't be unaware of the schemes that he has for you. And it gives us an example right here. This is Paul the Apostle in a letter that he wrote to the church of Corinthians. He talks about forgiveness. And why does he talk about forgiveness? He says that Satan might not outwit us, and that's a good example. The devil will look for any opportunity to come into your life to bring trouble. And here's a good example. If there's anger between people, when there, where there's unforgiveness, Paul said, we need to forgive because otherwise we give the devil an opportunity. We're opening the door to the devil. And that, that's the schemes of the devil. See, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan to bless you. He has a plan to prosper you, to build you up, and the devil also has a plan for your life. He wants to walk, you to walk around in bitterness. He wants to bring division in the church. He wants hatred to come between brothers in the church and sisters. He wants to break up families. That's the devil's plan for you. If you're a child of God, the plan of the devil is to get you to walk around broke. He wants to break up your marriage. And he'll look for any opportunity. So that's why I'm talking about it today. I don't want you to be unaware of the devil's schemes. I'm going to read one more scripture from Ephesians, Ephesians 6.10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. These verses tell us who the enemy is. The enemy is the devil. The enemy is a legions of demons that, that hell wants to bring against you. Your wife or your husband is not your enemy. Your church brothers and sisters are not your enemies. Your boss is not your enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. But the Bible tells us that our fight is, is in the spiritual realm. That's why it's so important to come to prayer. That's why it's so important for the people of God to get together and fight. See, we think in the natural realm that we have a lot of enemies, the people that are close to us, because people will wound you. People will hurt you. But, but they are being driven by the devil. They are being driven by the enemy. The Bible doesn't give us the right to wound our brother or sister. The Bible does not give you the, the right to, ruin your, to wound your parents or to wound your husband or your wife. We don't have that right as Christians. They are not your enemy. I know a lot of times some of you are mistreated, but it's the powers of hell that's coming against you, and the devil will use people. The devil will use your circumstances. He'll use your situation but God does not give us the authority to strike back when we're, when we're wounded. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says when you get wounded by someone, when you're hurt, to love them back. Because it's not, it's not about the person. It's about the enemy. If you want to stomp on the heads of the enemy, there's no greater weapon than love. The Bible says it's like pouring hot coals on someone's head. When somebody wounds you or hurts you and you love them back. Now I'm not saying if somebody's abusing you that you should, that you should just stand around or just love them back. Sometimes you need to get out of the house. Sometimes you need to escape. So if anyone's being physically or sexually abused in any way, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But at the same time, we need to, when the Bible talks about loving each other, and we need to fight the enemy, the true enemy. The, the enemy is unseen, and I'm going to talk about how to fight him. See, first, the, the devil wants to bring trouble in your circumstances, which I spoke about. He wants to raise up trouble, he wants to give you money problems. He wants problems in your home. He wants to bring sickness. Sickness comes from the devil. 
does not come from God. He wants to, he wants to cause people to mistreat you. He wants your friends to mistreat you. And the other way that the devil will work in your life is through temptation. We have what's called the sinful nature. You know, when you get saved, the Bible says you become a new creation and we become a spiritual being. But even though, even though that happens, the old nature is still there. We still have that desire to sin. We still have those impulses to do wrong, to rebel against God, to, to live according to the pleasures of the world. And that's what the devil wants to do. You want to know where the real battlefield is? Your battlefield is not in your home. It's not in your job. It's not out in the street. It's right here in your mind. It's in your head. Because the Bible says that the devil is, has the ability to put thoughts in your head. The devil has the authority to speak to you. Not all your thoughts, this might be new to some of you, but not all your thoughts are your own thoughts. That idea you have to, to, go, to go take drugs or to commit adultery, a lot of those thoughts, the devil puts them into your head. The devil is, a, is able to, to take your natural sinful nature and he'll use it to tempt you. Here's the battlefield right here. We need to take every thought captive. Don't let, don't let the devil begin to control you, begin to ruin you, because you're called to be victorious. Those thoughts that you're getting that saying, I'm no good, I'll, nothing good is ever going to happen to me. I'm going to be this way the rest of my life. I made my bed, now I'm lying in it. A lot of times you might get those thoughts. That's the enemy putting those thoughts in your head. You need to battle them off. You have the authority to break the power of those thoughts that are coming and tormenting you. The Lord just showed me that there's a lot of people here, many people here. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you start to get tormenting thoughts in your head. You begin to have fear. You begin to worry. The enemy, the enemy will begin to torment you with thoughts to make you, all your problems seem so big and make it seem like God can't help you. I want to expose that right now, the work of the devil in here. It's in here. If you could beat the devil in here, you could beat him out there. I once spoke to a minister who, who's, who was who able to really be blessed financially. And you know what he told me? He says he makes, when he makes money, he does it first in his head. Believing that he's a child of God. Believing that the blessings and the promises of God are true. That's where the victory is right here. You've got to start changing the way that you think about your circumstances. The way that you think about yourself. You've got to begin to think the way that God thinks. And what does God say about you? That you are victorious. That you are more than a conqueror. That you can do all things. There's nothing in this world that can hold you back. The enemy cannot hold you back. The enemy cannot rob or steal your destiny. The enemy cannot steal your marriage. He cannot break up your home unless we give in to him. If, if we choose to begin to give in to those thoughts, oh, this marriage will never work. 
I'll never have anything financially. We begin to give in to the source. And you know what the Bible says? I was reading the Scripture in Proverbs yesterday. As a man thinketh in his mind, in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think, that's what's going to happen. If you begin to think that you're defeated, if you have this thought in your mind that God is not going to bless you, God is not going to give you the victory, that nothing good is ever going to happen, I guarantee you it's going to happen. If you have in your mind that you're going to be poor the rest of your life, that you're never going to have anything, that you'll never be able to get ahead, that you'll never have the job that God promised you, that you'll never be able to go back to school or whatever it is, it's not going to happen. Because as a man purposes in his heart, as he thinks in his heart, so it is. Don't let the enemy defeat you up here. If he can get your mind, you're done. You, you, be, you need to begin to take the Scripture and begin to decree it over yourself. Begin to make declarations over yourself. Take the promises of God and begin to speak them out. The, it, I, I read before about some of the um, armor of God. The Bible talks about the shield of faith. We need to begin to walk around in faith. Believe God that He's going to do what He said He did. A lot of the times the arrows that the enemy's shooting at you are hitting you. All those thoughts of doubt and all the feelings of discouragement and the, the depression that comes upon you. A lot of times it's because you're not walking in the faith that God has for you. It's like the Bible says, it's like a shield. The Bible says, put on the helmet of salvation. Or in other words, when the devil starts to put those thoughts into your head, put on that helmet of salvation. Say, I am a child of the Almighty God. I'm a child of the King. That's the helmet of salvation. What is salvation? I belong to God. And the Bible says that the Lord knows those who are His. If you put that helmet on, those thoughts cannot cannot overtake you. There's nothing that can overtake you in this world. No weapon formed against you can prosper. It just won't work unless you allow it to, unless you give into it. The Bible talks about the breastplate of righteousness. You know what you got to do? You've got to guard your heart. You've got to protect your heart. The Bible talks about putting on the righteousness of Christ. Don't allow the things of this world, the temptations and the evil pleasures of this world to overtake you. And there's tremendous temptation out there. If you go on the Internet, you don't even have to go on any unholy, bad, sinful site. Just look at all the pictures that keep popping up in the advertisements. And it could begin to get at your heart. See, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to, he wants to wear away at your heart. He wants to take hold of you. He wants to gain your affections and take it off of, off of God. We, you need to put your affections on God where it belongs. 
If you're married, you need to keep your affection on your husband and wife. But the devil's going to do anything he can. He's going to reach into your heart. He's going to use the images and the pictures of this world. He's going to use the TV, the music, the movies, whatever he, whatever he can do. Anything that he can do to get at your heart, to rob your affections. To, to commit adultery, you don't have to do it physically. You could do it in your mind, Jesus said. You don't have to commit, commit sexual sin in any, physical, in any physical way. The Bible says it starts, it starts right here in your heart. You need to put a breastplate over your heart. It belongs only to Him. It only belongs to God. Your affections belong first to the Lord. Don't allow the enemy to get a hold of them. The Bible talks about taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and to pray without ceasing. I want to read this um, scripture from Leviticus 26. You don't have to turn to it. It's only two scriptures. Leviticus 26.7. It says, You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Again, it's not talking about your physical enemies. It's talking about the demons of hell. And that's why we need to be in prayer meetings. A lot of people tell me, oh, well, I just pray at home. I don't need to go to prayer meetings. I don't need to join together to pray. I just stand by myself. God hears me. But what we got to do is follow what the Word says. Yes, God does hear you. And your prayers are effective. But it says that if you can get five people together, that you could put 10,000 demons of hell to flight. That you can chase off the enemy. It's about unity. That's why the enemy wants so much to get you to hate each other. That's why the enemy loves to bring division and hatred into a church. That's why the enemy wants so much to break up families and to break up relationships among God's people. Because if he could do that, if he could break up the unity, then then he's free to do anything that he wants. But if we'll come together, if we'll stand together in the people of as the people of God, we could put the enemy to flight. We could chase him out of your home, out out of your circumstances, out of your mind, out of your heart. We do that together. Christianity is not about one person working alone. It's not about, I, I like the presence of God, so I don't need to go to church. I just, I just sit at home and I worship and that's it. The Bible talks about touching and agreeing. You need to have people to agree with you. There's power in agreement. If you're going through a problem today, you need to find someone and say, agree with me in prayer. We touch and agree. There's power in prayer. There's power in taking up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and beginning to open your Bible, begin to declare it. Because in closing, I want to, um, I want to go back to the Old Testament. I want to tell you about 
people in the Old Testament called David's mighty men. Do we have any of David's mighty men and women here today? Do we have any mighty warriors here? Raise your hand if you're a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. Well, I want to tell you how David's mighty men started out. He started out like most of us. 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, So David got away and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. See, David himself was rejected by King Saul, and he had to run. But people came to him, and let's see what kind of people came. When his brothers and others associated with his family heard where he was, they came down and joined him. Not only that, but all who were down on their luck came around. Listen to this. Losers, vagrants, misfits of all sorts. David became their leader. How would you like to start a church with those people? Misfits, vagrants, losers. How would you like to even have somebody call you that in the Bible so 2,000, 3,000 years later, people could still read that you're a loser? <laughs> but now I'm going to go down to 2 Samuel 23 because you know what the Bible says? That out of those losers, out of those nobodies, those people who are in debt, out of those people who are failures, the dregs of society, the rejected people who no one thought would ever make it. In 2 Samuel 23, you know what it calls them? David's mighty men. Because God could take the foolish things of this world. He takes the nobodies of this world. Those who have been defeated and trampled by the enemy. And maybe that's you today. The enemy's walked all over you. He's walked all over your mind. You're in depression. You have no finances. Some of you maybe even don't have a job, no means of support. Some of you have problems in your home. The enemy has trampled on you. God, can, just like he did back then, he could do it even more now because you have the Holy Spirit of the living God living inside of you. That's what that oil is all about because oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And you know what God was saying through that? That the oil, God's healing presence is, is here today. So we can do even greater things. And God wants to take all the people who are walking in defeat, and He wants to make you into a mighty man or woman. He wants to make you, raise you up to be a mighty, victorious warrior. Listen, listen to what just three of these guys accomplished. Second Samuel 23, verse, um, verse 8. Joseph, uh, how do I pick these verses? Ah, Tekler, Mark, whatever his name was. <laughs> Are you allowed to use these words in church? Tar. Was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eliezer, son of Dodai the Ahohite. Man, he must have got made fun of in school, right, with that name, Dodai the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground. 
And he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Verse 11, next to him was Shammah, son of Agi the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. That, that can be you today. Maybe all you have is the lentil bean field. Maybe all you got is $10 in the bank. Maybe you have just a family that God gave you. But you know what it said about Shammah? This mighty man of God, he stood his ground. And I'm charging you today, stand your ground. Maybe you feel you don't have anything. But whatever it is, if it's just a hill of beans, God gave it to you. Don't give it over to the enemy. Stand up and fight. Don't give in to the works of hell. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to separate you from this church. He wants you to give up. He wants you to stop praying. He wants you to stop worshiping. Because you know what they did in the Old Testament when they were in war? They'd send the worshipers out first. There's no greater secret of battle. If you're going through warfare, you need to start to worship God. Because when you worship, God inhabits the praises of His people. And He comes down from heaven and He starts to fight on your behalf. It's not about being all worried and scared or arguing and fighting. It's about calling upon the living God and trusting fully in Him. And you can win every battle in your life. You can be like the mighty men and women of God. One guy fought until, until his hand stuck to the sword, it said. It said everybody else retreated, but he stood strong. He, even when, when he couldn't let go of the sword anymore, he was so tired, his hands were frozen, but he wouldn't give up, and he stood that's what the Word says. If you, can't, if you can't think of anything else to do, you've tried everything, and you're ready to give up, just stand. Don't be moved. Don't be pushed back. Don't let the devil start to push you around. Don't let him push you out of the church. Don't let him separate you from God. Don't believe those lying thoughts coming in your head that says that you're defeated. That your dreams will never come true. That God's purposes for you will never happen. That you'll never be restored. That you'll never find the, the things that you desire in your heart. That'll never happen. That's a lie. God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. But if you've already determined in your mind it's never going to happen, let me tell you something, it's never going to happen. So I'm going to ask Melissa to come up right now. She changed the song, just so you know. And she's going to begin to war in our behalf with this song, and then we're going to pray. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. 
We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.